Welcome to the Bear With Me podcast, where we aim to integrate belief and practice in the Christian life. Hey, Vanessa. Hi, Andy. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. <laughs> good. I'm well. Good. How are you? Good. Um, we're, uh, we've been taking turns because Ves- Vanessa and I never agree on anything. <laughs> That's true. Um, and we fight about everything. Um, it doesn't always come out in the podcast, but we, kinda, we usually resolve stuff before we mm-hmm. record. Um, but anyway, um, we take turns. With the topics. Because then we can't have so many arguments. Yeah, that's right. So everybody wins. Yeah. So uh, today is one of Vanessa's topics on spiritual direction. Yes. Thank you for letting me do one on spiritual direction. Oh, you're welcome. It was I was debating, but decided to go ahead and <laughs> let you have a turn. <laughs> I wanted to do one because I'm a spiritual director. And whenever someone like at school pick up or, you know, settings where someone's like, oh, and what do you do? I kind of like freeze and I'm like, uh, I'm a spiritual director. And they're like, oh, what's that? And there's kind of like this creepy music starts yeah, in the background. Totally. Most people I think, think I'm a shaman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy literally just said the other day, he was like, oh, so you're like a shaman? Yeah. Interesting. And I was like, oh, No. How do you describe? There might be some overlap there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't there, know that much about shamans. I don't either, but I think there's some overlap. But um, so I wanted to do this so that I could practice talking about what it is, mm-hmm. and because I love it, and I would love for more people to go to spiritual direction. But I think one of the main problems is that they don't actually know what it is or know why they would what go. What it is, what happens, what's involved, what they're getting into. Yeah. Whether they need it, right? Whether it's worth it, because yeah. it's time and money. It's like ten thousand dollars, yeah, a session. Right. So it's steep, but okay. worth it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just tell you some things about spiritual direction, and then Andy, just you know, ask questions or pipe in anytime. Great. So spiritual direction is the biggest umbrella I can think of. Is to say that it's a space to talk honestly about your spiritual life. But it's two people focusing on one person's spiritual life. And by spiritual life, I don't just mean the things we might associate with spirituality, like prayer, meditation, study of sacred texts, worship. Those things can be part of the conversation, of course. But I think of spirituality as... Um, everything in our lives, you know, everything can be spiritual. I think of spirituality more as our connection to things, to God, to ourselves, to people, to the earth, to our money, to our sexuality. And so the content of spiritual direction is anything that's coming up in your life and how you're responding to that. So far, so good? Yeah. Great. Yeah, no, I'm on board so far. Amazing. It's good. Still with you. Great. So far. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Eugene Peterson talks really simply about spiritual direction. So one of the things he says is that when two people agree to give their full attention to what God is doing in one of their lives, that's spiritual direction. 
So that's a that's a feature of spiritual direction is that it isn't a mutual conversation. It's more like therapy in that way, where you go to receive the full attention, listening, mirroring, question asking of another person. And it's spiritual directions based on the assumptions, Peterson says, that God is always doing something. And each of our lives. There's always a movement there. There's always a grace there. There's always an invitation to respond or participate with this movement of the Spirit in our lives. And the second thing he says is that responding isn't sheer guesswork. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just this arbitrary, personalized, like, well, I have to figure this out on my own. There is wisdom and there's ways of discerning and responding that we can access And the third thing he says is that everyone is unique. And so how we live out our spirituality, our faith, is unique for everyone. And you have to discern how how a response looks depending on your life situation, your personality, your stage. And so spiritual direction, a large part of it is that discernment work of, okay, what is going on in my life? And how do I respond to it with integrity? And that looks different for everybody. So spiritual direction is a space to work that out. Yeah, that's great. I, I, <laughs> yeah. It's, well, there's a lot of things in there. So um, the, and we've talked about this before, the idea that um, discern the, uh, who was it? Uh, I can't remember his name. It was Gordon. Green or Gordon Thomas Smith. Smith. <laughs> Gordon Smith. Yeah, the discernment. Yeah. It is Gordon. This idea, it's yeah. uh it's the um the the streams of tradition through through Christian history of the assumption born out from the Bible itself that God is active and present and always speaking in some in some way. That yeah. God is not shy. And um, I think just that idea is always, always fascinating to me. Like God is interested in communicating to yeah. us, and just that mere possibility, that potentiality, yeah. just gets me excited. Like, okay, well, then there must be some way to hear God, to listen to God's voice in my life, and um, and that there, it's not just guesswork, and um, the idea that. God has given us the scriptures to be able to this wisdom, yeah, uh, to be able to discern this is what the kinds of things that God says is what God sounds like. Yeah, These are, um, we've been talking about this with the with the Ten Commandments and the Law is that it's not like our laws today where everything is codified. You've got a law mm-hmm. for everything, and if you don't, as soon as someone does something crazy, they'll make one. Right, but that wasn't law in the ancient world. Uh, when we get the Ten Commandments, we get the stipulations in Exodus and other places. It's it's actually wisdom. It's legal wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's not complete enough to be a system of law. And they depended on elders and judges and kings to be able to rule these very specific things that didn't have specific laws or rules around them. Like, you, you didn't know what to do, so you had to rely yeah. on wisdom to be able to do this because every situation was unique. That's just what it reminds Mm -hmm. me of. It it just kind of bridging uh, the context a little bit that um, our religion or our spirituality is not a one size fits all type of thing. And so it requires God. I think it's 
a feature, not a bug. God made it that way so that we would be in relationship with one another yeah. and work, kind of work through things together. Fascinating. Love it. Yeah, I love, I've said this quote before too. Rachel Held Evans said, "It's wisdom is not about what is true, but about when it's true. So that application and a discernment around the particularities of our lives and our the life in the world, our our lives as citizens, all of that matters mm-hmm. in applying what is true. Okay, so Andy, when you hear the term spiritual director, like if mm-hmm. someone's like, "Well, I was meeting with my spiritual director." Or you meet someone and they're like, oh, I'm a spiritual director. Mm -hmm. What are your associations with that? Like, what comes to mind when you hear that? Um, Spiritual director. Let's see. Um, Someone who directs someone spiritually. (laughs) You go real literal with it? Like, do you you don't have any, like, pictures? Just total, honest, free association Uh, um, spiritual director. I don't... uh, Yeah, that's a good question. I don't... No, I don't know. Okay. Sorry, I should, no. have, I should have thought about that more. No, no, no. It, it, you might not have anything like that, a connotation with it. Oh, like, well, I think it's it can be similar, I think, to like um, a, a counseling or professional counseling yeah. connotation, which for me isn't overly negative, but yeah. I think it can be negative. Like, mm-hmm. it, it can be problematic. Um, and, and I would go, I would follow... Um, it was, it's a uh, James Houston who talked about counselors as paid friends. Oh, yeah. And it can sound really negative and disparaging towards professional counseling. I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it means to be. I think it's just more of a lamentation that we've lost the gifts in our society to be good friends to one another, to ask mm. good questions, to be good mm-hmm. listeners. And I think I can associate that with spiritual direction as well. It's like, mm-hmm. I think there is. I think it's a good thing. I think there's a need for it. But I think to the degree that it could rob us or or maybe it's a symptom of us not being having spiritual friendships yeah. is is a part of it. But I think even with healthy spiritual friendships, spiritual direction or spiritual directors are helpful because they provide um maybe like the pastoral role, sort of this this image or this uh standard that we can learn from, that we can learn the wisdom from. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's kind totally. of a convoluted way of saying it. No, that's, that's such an interesting point. And thank you for answering it. I, When I hear spiritual direction or someone else says they are, my like kind of free association with it is someone who's kind of holy. It just sounds a little set-apart-ish. I think that's why I'm sheepish sometimes about saying see, it yeah. because it sounds a little bit like... Yeah, a guru mm-hmm. kind of feel. Yeah, and you want to avoid that, that yeah. connotation. Yeah. Because a lot of spiritual direction isn't about, it's actually the opposite about having answers. It, it actually <laughs> is the opposite. So the term is is problematic. Mm-hmm. So I heard Susan Phillips share this in a podcast, but you have her book in here. I remember you showed it to me, The Cultivated Life, she said it's from. Mm-hmm. And she's a spiritual director, and she talked about the origins of the term spiritual director. Mm-hmm. She was searching for, like, where was this first named, sp- yeah. a spiritual director? And she found, like, a monk who was a librarian who said, I'll f- find out the answer, and he did find out the answer. 
and said it goes back to John Climacus, Climacus, 6th, 7th century monk who was at the monastery at Mount Sinai. And there's the first use of the word spiritual director. Mm -hmm. And she said it's the word kubernetes in Greek. And that Paul uses the same word to talk about a pilot of a ship who stands next to the captain. So not the captain with not the one with the hands on the steering wheel, but the person who stands next to that person Mm. and knows the area, knows the terrain, and just says, here's something to look out for. Oh, we need to be careful of this. This is up ahead. So they're kind of like a navigator who knows the area, but they never take control of the steering wheel and do it. So there's, there's a picture there of spiritual direction that's a lot more helpful than a guru. Or someone who's going to tell you what to do, or a past. It's it's so different than a pastor, mm-hmm. even in that way. So I loved that picture of of someone who stands next to the person who is steering their life, and uh, they might not know the person's life inside and out. Of course, they won't, but they have studied spiritual formation and Christian spirituality, mm-hmm. so they know some of the patterns. And some of the themes. And even if they don't know, let's say the directee is going through something that they've never experienced or even dreamed of experiencing, they don't know what the person should do, but they know how to help the person know. And they do that by making space with more silence than a typical conversation. So that that's a feature of spiritual direction is that there's a spaciousness to it because Richard Rohr says that a spiritual director, their job is to hold on to spirit. So they introduce the spirit as a, a livable, incredible part of the conversation. And they keep drawing the attention back to the spirit to say, okay, let's make a little bit of space here so that you can check in with yourself, with mm-hmm. God, about what you just said. So that's one way that they they help the person know how to know what to do. And the other main way is through evocative questions. So the the training of my spiritual direction is contemplative evocative. So that contemplative piece means that we're going to look at things from a bunch of different angles. Like you would go into an art gallery and you don't just like whiz past each piece. You like Mm -hmm. cock your head a few times and you look at it from a few different angles. That's the contemplative part. The evocative part is asking questions that draw forth deeper knowing. So those are the two main ways that a spiritual director comes alongside someone who is trying to steer their life in the direction that they want to go. How does that sit with you? Well, I mean, it's, those sound like essential things in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my sense is that you probably do that or you do that in the capacity in a, quote unquote professional capacity. It's like you're right. trying to cultivate, you're trying to be as good as you can at this at this skill, at this work. But that I know that that overflows into other parts of your life and relationships where you're not doing it quote unquote professionally. You're totally. doing it as a friend, as probably as a wife and a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just again that that interesting thing about that dynamic between um because everything here seems pretty like if if you're going to acknowledge as a spiritual reality and that we need discernment for how to navigate those things 
in that and if you're going to go a step further and say, well, according to the God of the Bible, all of life is spiritual because yeah, um, he's created it all and um, he's invested in connected to it all yeah. and speaking into it, then, then these kinds of relationships are essential for us. Yeah. At, at, I think at, at maybe at levels where you're seeking someone out to be in that specific role more formally, mm-hmm. but then even in our everyday relationships with one another. Yeah. To be that for each other. Yeah. That goes back to what you were saying about therapists as paid friends mm-hmm. or spiritual directors as paid spiritual friends. I I do think the uh, I don't know the right word. Like the way of spiritual direction is such a beautiful way to relate in everyday life. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the joys I have about spiritual direction is I just love immersing myself in that way of being, which is very yeah. similar to ways of being in the that that we learn in the church mm-hmm. or uh, in other settings. But there is a uniqueness there with the kind of trust, like the trust that this person has all the tools they need in order to discern what to do. Mm -hmm. And instead of me fixing it for them, telling them what to do, telling them they shouldn't feel like that, or, you know, all those kind of instincts we have, that there's this collaborative Mm -hmm. way of relating Mm -hmm. with each other that, that helps the knowing emerge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it seems like you're doing two things with spiritual direction. You're you are um teaching people to listen for themselves mm-hmm. as opposed to just telling them. Um and you're you're acknowledging that you not only that, but you can't you don't necessarily know what the answer is because yeah. it's not your life. Yeah. It's another person's life. Yeah. And that's something that all has to kind of be discerned, maybe in community, but be discerned by, by them at, at the very least. And it can't be discerned just for them. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, I think that's what I've like from you. And I would say from Elaine and Michael mm-hmm. Pountney, um, the, the time spent with all three of you, that's something that I've picked up on over time. It's like I've learned how to discern more by spending time with these people, by learning how they discern mm-hmm. or, or ask good questions about discernment. Mm. That's great. <laughs> so one other piece I didn't say is that hopefully spiritual direction is more than just talk therapy about your spiritual life. And I don't mean that derogatively, but there is there is the hope that spiritual direction would actually be a space that evokes a felt sense of God in the actual in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So instead of just kind of rehearsing what happened in your week and being asked questions and responding to it, there is this kind of it feels a little bit more charismatic in nature. Mm-hmm. This willingness, like someone might say, you know, I really should reconsider the way I tell that story, or I wonder what it would be like to to talk about that with God. I might hear that and say, would you be okay if we did it right now? You know, like instead of doing it at some later date, like, oh, that'd be mm-hmm. good to think about, but one day, 
the yeah. invitation and spiritual direction is like that that that's exactly what this space is for mm-hmm. because it it holds us accountable to paying attention to things we might not be able to pay attention to on our own. So there is a lot of permission and spiritual direction to to practice and to try things or if someone you know experiences like this pang of gratitude for something in their life instead of moving on from that really quickly and being like that's so great mm-hmm. i might say let's just take a moment and just let that gratitude be there as fully as it wants to be and they'll close their eyes and just kind of savor the gratitude they have for this good thing that happened or something they didn't think was ever possible and letting that bloom in real time is just one of the most amazing things instead of saying one day I'll do that. So there's, there's a real focus on the present moment and trusting that in our bodies with our imaginations, feelings, emotions, we can have a felt sense of God's presence with us kind of healing us and you can kind of feel it happening. There's a lot of tears Mm -hmm. in spiritual direction unexpectedly Mm -hmm. because of taking the time to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. And it reminds me of um, like we have DNAs at our, our church, the discipleship nurture economy groups, very small groups, super small groups, like two to four people. And, and you help set up and design some of these, Uh, but it's where some of, hopefully some of these kinds of things that we're talking about happens kind of at that level. And that'd be more mutual because it is give and take. Mm-hmm. So what, what you're talking about is like in a kind of a designated relationship, like I'm going to Vanessa for spiritual direction. Yeah. But again, where some of this can kind of happen in, in the everyday life for the regular meetings with, with friends and people from the community. Yeah. And that is one of my favorite things in life is that communal experience of something like group spiritual mm-hmm. direction. And the DNA group I am a part of and have been since being a part of the table, we continue to meet once a month and we do a group spiritual direction model. So we all do that together. And it's so incredibly meaningful, life-giving. Okay, the next thing I wanted to share are the reasons why I go to spiritual direction, the main reasons. So. I think the first reason would just be accountability to tending to my spiritual life. Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen and I, we're just in that stage of life where we don't connect as much as we used to. So we have a discipline of trying to get out once a month to do something just to, to look at each other, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm. you like finally get out to dinner and you're just quiet and you're like, what, where do we even start? Like, what do, what do we talk about? There's like a shyness there or a lack of connection. And spiritual direction does feel similar to me in that it's a, I've been going for seven years or something. And it's just a monthly way to like show up. Like I, I sit in the chair, I take a deep breath. And then, she, you know, she looks at me and says, okay, where would you like to start today? And I, it's just like an exhale of, okay, I'm I'm tending to my spiritual life, mm-hmm. at least in this way. And it's kind of a, a way to, to get a pulse check again on me, yeah. at least once a month. Like, okay, where am I? What have I been noticing? Like, where is God in my life? Because the weeks go by so fast. And I might even, I might even do my centering prayer, my examine, 
and take communion every Sunday and still not not sit down and and notice that or integrate it. And pay attention. Yeah. yeah. So that's my number one reason for going. Another reason I go is to one of one of the most compelling ideas for me personally is this idea of ha- of living with creative courageous integrity. That was in a foreword to one of Howard Thurman's books. Vincent Harding described Thurman as living a life of creative, courageous integrity. And when I heard that, I was like, that's that's how I feel called mm. to live with creativity, courage, and a life of integrity. And so spiritual direction is one of the primary arenas that I try to live out that sense of calling. Like if this is if this really makes me come to life. How am I doing it? So it's a way to process that and check in about that and kind of stay on my path, stay in my lane towards creative, courageous integrity. And another reason I go is because I am in a position of spiritual leadership just by virtue of who I am. Like whatever I'm a part of, I I tend to want to be part of facilitating you know, conversations for people or leading something or Mm -hmm. talking about something. So there's an accountability there too. Like, am I practicing what I preach and how, how much vitality is there in my relationship with God? Because I talk about it a lot. And so I I want integrity in that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. So I think spiritual direction is not necessarily for everyone in, in all seasons of life. But I do think it's especially important for anyone in a position of spiritual leadership because it's a, a it's like looking in the mirror yeah. with someone else and saying, where am I actually at? Where like it's a place to express doubts, anger, yeah. to confess. Like where do pastors confess? Yeah. It's a powerful place of confession. And when those happen, it's like you're on holy ground, you know. Okay, I talked a lot. Good. No, I I agree. I think. I mean, I think the the larger principle that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. everybody needs that. Mm -hmm. That would be my conviction. Right. The question of whether you need actually like a season of focus, spiritual direction from a from someone who's you know that's that's what they do, and, and you know that could be seasonal or discerning depending on that. But yeah, I agree. I think. I think. um I, I meet regularly with um, the Reverend Doctor yeah. Michael Pountney. Yeah, lucky. And, and a lot in a lot of this gets gets served in that mm-hmm. way for me because it's it's a helpful space to to reflect and examine and and have that accountability. Mm-hmm. But it's also it's uh, I mean accountability sounds kind of like a negative, but it's like yeah. it's, a, it's more freeing than that. I yeah, would say. good point. It's like a space, space. Um, to breathe spiritually. Yeah. Know, that's a weird way to say it. but uh, Totally. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of exhaling for me in mm. spiritual direction, so it uh, actually fits. Okay, a few ways spiritual direction is different than other things. Like sometimes when I describe it, people think, oh, it's coaching. It's yeah. kind of like spiritual coaching. Mm-hmm. Or people that grew up in the church think, oh, that's what I do with my pastor. Like, yeah, when Andy meets with me, that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Some people think it sounds like counseling. They're like, oh, I can talk about whatever I want yeah. in counseling, and I have their undivided attention, focuses on me, I pay them. 
It helps me become a more loving person in my actual relationships. So, so many similarities there. A few of the differences are that it's not just for when you have a problem or when you're in a transition or when you're you're stuck about something. Like the idea behind spiritual direction is that it can be a spiritual discipline for your whole life. So even if you're not in a season of crisis, it's a space where you get to talk about the ordinary stuff that's too boring to talk about with your partner or your friends. Like how much you love watching the tree outside your window go through its seasons. Mm-hmm. That might not come up in everyday life, but it, it's if spiritual direction is a regular practice, stuff that little stuff, the unimportant stuff can come up. Mm-hmm. It's very different than anything in the pastoral counseling arena because it's specifically with someone who's outside of your community. Mm-hmm. So there's not the multiple agendas at play there, which is really freeing. It's Of course, it's good to be in relationship and to talk about someone who knows your life and your church community. So there's a benefit there, but there also is a benefit of not having any dual relationships where the spiritual director is not going to be hurt, offended, or weirded out by something that you're saying about someone they know or about a community that they know. So it really frees you to be honest about what's going on for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's key is that freedom from dual relationships or just, you know, I, I started going to spiritual direction when I just had, I just was part of a very tight knit church community, very active Yet I still wanted more, and I didn't know what to do with that. And if I tried to talk about it with my pastor, there was always this sense like, well, do more here, and Mm. um, how can we meet your need better? And so I was self-conscious about naming some of the stuff I was uncomfortable with because I didn't even know what I thought about it. So spiritual direction was a place that helped me Mm. process outside of that. So far, so good still? Yeah, it's great. Keep going. Okay. So, okay. we I, w- I only want to go for a few more minutes. So what would be important mm. to say? I think I said a lot of what a spiritual director does. I mean, you got... So just to let listeners in at home. Yeah. We're we, about halfway through. My, my three pages. Yeah. Um, so we could, we don't have to, we could come back to this and do a kind yeah. of a part two. This is the goal for this episode was just to kind of do an intro into what is spiritual direction, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, so, but we can make it a two parter. We're, we normally release every two weeks, but we'll be back next week. And so maybe we could do this kind of back to back. That'd be great. Not quicker. Yeah. And then we can talk about what a session actually, mm. or the, like some of the nuts and bolts of it. Right. And, and how to find one, yeah. which are important. So I think something I want to say just for the last part is kind of some of the arguments against spiritual direction. Uh, no one's had an argument with me personally, but mm-hmm. I have them in my own head. Mm-hmm. Even, uh, I won't go into that, but so one of, I heard somebody say once, you know, is spiritual direction just for rich white women, because that those are the only people I, t- I hear talk about it, which so stung to hear mm. that because of the truth of it. Mm. there It does feel like there's a privilege around spiritual direction. 
And I'm a little bit embarrassed by how popular it is. Privilege because of what? Because of time and money? Yeah. Those kinds of resources? Yeah. And and there's just a lot of yeah. middle class to rich white women who have been trained in spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge, in the last 10 years, you know, there's been like a huge boom. Yeah. So, and there's like an evan- evangelical nature to it in the sense of like wanting to convert people to it. I, it reminds me of the Enneagram. Like, you know, over the last five years, it's like so much talk about the Enneagram. Like, like we we all used our numbers yeah. and, uh, oh, you don't know the Enneagram? Oh my gosh, you're definitely a four then right. or whatever. So the popularity of it, the nicheness of it, just there's something, there's something true there that I just want to admit that I, I think it is, it is problematic. And I also own that it's, I never knew what I wanted to do with my life. I could never find like my career and spiritual direction is definitely what makes me come alive. So mm-hmm. I am so passionate about it and grateful for it. Yeah. And yet there's a lot of work to do around how it's talked about, perceived, presented. Because there, Barbara Peacock has this great book called Soul Care and the African-American Practice, kind mm-hmm. of reclaiming the roots of spiritual direction. Yeah in the African American experience. And it does go back to the desert fathers and mothers and, you know, Bible times, but it was more of an oral thing. Yeah. And so there's this new wave around it that I just want to acknowledge. The, another critique is that it it's for introverts or contemplatives, you know, mm-hmm. like people that really like to like talk about themselves and like belly button gaze yeah. and stuff like that which I can see that too. Like people, Mm. some people think like, oh, I'm just too extroverted or active or I care too much about the real world. I don't, no one's ever said that, but that's one of the arguments in my head is that it just kind of insulates rather than frees people to become more loving people in the real world Mm. and in real relationships. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the arguments that I think it's just helpful to name. Like if if you kind of have a connotation about that, you're not alone. Right. Are we going to end on that, on the I, negative I, connotations? I, gosh, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what I, I – that's that's interesting to hear you bring that up. I don't know what I think about all that because I, I hadn't – I guess I hadn't thought about it that mm-hmm. much before, but it, it does kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they're – I mean, the ex, I could see the introvert thing, the navel-gazing. I think that's a danger of a lot of things, though. It's like yeah. anything can become that – you just kind of tendency, but but the other side of it is if you never if you're never looking at your internal life, yeah, that's that's a recipe for disaster. Oh yeah, all of your not just in religious world in the in the secular world yeah. would 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 largely agree with that. If you're if you're if you just live an external life, Disasters around the corner. You, there, there needs to be there needs to be a cultivation of the interior ordered world, and um, and and maybe there's all different ways of thinking through that. Different, you know, different religions will take that different ways, yeah. but, but they'll all focus uh, to some degree on that important facet. So I'm just thinking about the extrovert yeah. one. That that's extroverts probably need it a bit more, just because a tendency to maybe to be live in the extroverted in the mm-hmm. extroverted selves. Yeah. Um 
I don't know what to say about the rich white woman. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and maybe that that is, as, as you said, well, that's cause for some important reflection. I okay, think well, it is. What, what is that about? What does it mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, think, I, do, I think it is. It's worth reflection. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll end on a po- more positive. Oh, yeah. no, no, you, you've brought <laughs> it up. Bring us home. Well, this is kind of positive <laughs> negative. Have you heard the top five regrets of the dying? This went around a few years ago by a palliative care nurse who just Hmm. collected what she's heard over the years, the top five regrets of the dining. Bronnie Ware is her name. So I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected from me. Mm -hmm. I wish I hadn't worked so much. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends and I wish that I had let myself be happier. Those are really yeah. interesting yeah. things for a palliative care nurse to hear over and over again in different ways mm-hmm. during people's last days. Yeah. And that's compelling to me. So there is maybe something dark, but not. Mm. Thinking about what would it be like to live now with some of that in mind? Yeah. And how do I do that? Yeah. That's what spiritual direction and spiritual disciplines in general mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the spiritual formation life is about to me. Yeah. Yeah. It strikes me there's a whole, uh, it just, in my mind, it's just this this chasm in, in us. I mean, God has made us in uh, with, with such deep longings and desires mm-hmm. and such a deep internal world that I think can be scary and intimidating mm-hmm. for us. <laughs> so yeah. That's what we tend to live out here. Um, and so, but, but to have some sense of God calling us to that and, and to want to move into that space and, and see where the spirit is and, and what the spirit is saying. All right. Well, let's do, let's, uh, let's, do part let's two. jump back Thanks. into part two next time. Yeah. Um, it's a good start. Told you. Like you did. You knew it. Andy told me. He was like, maybe this is two things. I was like, no way. We got it in a half an hour. Well, I kept, I did talk a little bit. It was one of our fights. Yeah. One of our many fights. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks, Vanessa. Good start. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up next time. Thanks, Andy. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.